Um, I love starting new books of the Bible uh, and digging in, and these first messages are exciting for me. Uh, we spent 21 weeks in 1 Corinthians, and we called that series uh, Church Health Matters, and I really enjoyed that time, and I'm, I'm really excited this morning about launching this particular book because I, I, I see this book loaded with hope, loaded with encouragement, loaded with comfort, and I often am reminded that life is hard, that ministry is hard. And everywhere I look, I see somebody going through a difficult time. At any given time, there's always somebody around us, somebody in our church or somebody that we know, somebody in our family that is just getting hit by the tides of life, that the tides that life is bringing their way, just knocking them down, draining them of strength. And so we live in a world, a post-Genesis 3 world, where life is just tough. Life is hard. And our Lord Jesus didn't want us to be naive about it. He told us, in this world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, for I've overcome the world. And so what we see in this book, in 2 Corinthians, we see Paul's tone changes a bit. From 1 Corinthians, as some authors describe him as chipper and cheerfully just going along, writing the Corinthians, addressing issues of health. And then in 2 Corinthians, we see a more battered and bruised, humbled Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthian church who contributed to some of those bruises that he had experienced in some ways. And... And we've titled this series, Power in Weakness. So each, each time we, we start a series, I just I, I sift through the text and I sift through, like, what's, what's a theme, what's a title that is weaved throughout the entire book? And I, I think this is one of the best ones that I found, is Power in Weakness. Okay, this, this is, you can see this in a number of passages, passages including the one that we're going to look at today in chapter 1. But in the most famous passage of this book, or one of the most famous passages of this book, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. When Paul was going through a difficult time, he had a thorn in his flesh, and he pleaded three times that the Lord take it away. And Jesus responded to his request, saying, my grace is sufficient for you. My power or my strength is made perfect in weakness. If you came here this morning feeling weak, feeling discouraged, feeling despair or anxiety, then this message and this book is for you. If you're walking with somebody in life and ministry and work or community that is discouraged and despair, hurting and in pain, then this message in this book is for you. And I believe that we're going to find lots of strength and we're going to find, we're going to be met with God's grace as we journey through the book of 2 Corinthians and as we let down our guard like the Apostle Paul does and admit that we're really not as strong as we think we are. And we're really not as strong as others may think that we are. But our God is very strong. And He strengthens and He sustains. And we're going to learn what it looks like to find that strength in the midst of our difficult times. Let me pray and we'll, we'll dig in here. Father, as we open the scripture, as we start this new journey through the book of 2 Corinthians, God, I pray that we would find strength and comfort and encouragement. I pray that bouts of depression and anxiety, God, would be overcome in these next weeks. 
God, I pray that you would give us new perspective, that you would fill us with hope, that there would be a, a, a progress in the journey of healing and a greater capacity, God, to help others who are hurting as we journey through these next weeks. I pray, God, that we would grow in our intimacy with you, that we would know you accurately and intimately. And that we would allow the pressures and the pain in this life to push us closer to you. To know your heart better. And to trust your heart when we can't see your hand. In the midst of our pain. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now let me just start a little bit, just giving some background about the, the city of Corinth. Now we did this in 1 Corinthians, so I'm not going to spend much time here. Just this year we had this conversation. But here, here's a helpful quote that I found that I didn't share last time. Corinth was a freewheeling boomtown filled with materialism, pride, and self-confidence that comes with having made it in a new place with a new social identity. The pull yourself up by your bootstraps mentality that would become so characteristic of the American frontier filled the air. Okay? As some, some uh, uh, theologians describe 2 Corinthians as the second Californians. Or we might say the, the second Texans. Just get her done. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Let's make it work. Right, and, and Paul is going against the culture of his day, and it goes against the culture of our day. That we're the culture that says, "Just pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You you got to make it yourself. It's all about you, and, and and you making it happen." And so Paul shows us weakness, and he shows us how to find strength. Through our weakness. Gordon Fee says that the Corinthians, Paul's Corinthians, was at once the New York, Las Vegas, and Los Angeles, and Las Vegas of the ancient world. It was very immoral. Okay? There was, there was commerce, there was wealth, there was uh, image uh, that, was, that was valued there over character. Here's what a couple of other writers say about 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians is the most poignant of all Paul's letters, for we meet him as an almost heartbroken pastor voicing the agonies of his unrequited love. If, the, if in Romans one saw Paul's theology, here we see Paul's heart. He wears it on his sleeve, not hiding his affection, anger, and, or agony. Paul's defense ministry, defense of his ministry, arguing his suffering weakness and change of travel plans don't disqualify his ministry. We'll talk a little bit about that change of travel plans and later on we'll describe more about the defense of his ministry where, where, where some of the Corinthians looked down upon him because he was going through so much difficulty. Like he describes his trials in ministry. Ministry is hard. And, and remember, he was following, just like we are, he was following a crucified Savior. We follow a crucified Lord and Savior, right? And so Paul describes his hardships. He went through so much. And in the ancient world, that was often seen as God's, as, as divine disfavor, as divine wrath. When you're going through hard times, the gods must be angry at you or God must be angry with you because you're going through hard times, right? And so that, that surely wasn't the case here. And actually the opposite. His afflictions and his trials and his sufferings gave witness to the authenticity of his ministry rather than invalidating his ministry. He bore the marks of the Lord Jesus Another commentator says that when it comes to Christian leadership, this letter, this letter is the place to start. When it comes to the battle for a gospel-shaped approach to life in our hearts and our minds, this is the place to start. When it comes to, to life in the mess, 
This is the place to start. 2 Corinthians walks us through how to live by faith in a broken world. It is the key to embracing our weakness and living in the strength which God himself supplies. Are you excited yet about going through the book of 1 Corinthians? Are you, are you going to read it as well at home and spend time taking notes and marking it and praying and, and studying and digging in? I hope that you do. And if you want to do that with some community, you can do that with Cindy and Steve Kessler back there on Saturday mornings. If you're interested in having some study and discussion time around the text every Saturday morning. Or you can plug into a community group. In several of our community groups, we are taking the text that we're looking at here on Sunday morning and we're talking through application of what does it look like and talking through uh, uh, some of the things that we have questions about in the text. And you can do that in community together and then talk about your struggles in community and be known. Because when you're going through dark, difficult times, that's when community and that's when walking and knowing with God knowing God and walking with God and walking in community is going to be a lifeline for you and so this morning I've titled this message knowing the God of all comfort knowing the God of all comfort here at City Church we put much emphasis on knowing God not just about him but knowing Him accurately and intimately. Our vision statement here is to know Jesus, love people, and impact your world. And so let's read from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and let's learn some things that the Apostle Paul wants the church to know. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God that is in Corinth, with all the saints who are in the whole Achaia. Grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction. So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is not our hope for you is unshaken. For we know that as you share in our sufferings, you also will share in our comfort. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such deadly peril. And He will deliver us on Him we have set our hope that He will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted to us through the prayers of many. This is the word of the Lord and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So here's our big idea this morning. God is the source of comfort and mercy, and He walks with us through the most difficult moments of life, giving us His comfort and help so that we might do the same for others and grow in trusting Him always. God is the source of comfort and mercy, and He walks with us through the most difficult moments of life, giving us His comfort and help so that we might do the same for others and grow in trusting Him always. And so first, let's start this morning with one of the things that Paul wants the church to know. 
He wants them to know the person of comfort, the source, the fount of every blessing, the Father of mercies, our Father, who art in heaven, right? Our Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who sent Jesus, the Redeemer, to come and rescue us from our sins and set us free And give us everlasting life with Him in the resurrection. The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of mercies. Now, take note when the Bible describes God as... uh, It it describes Him... It it, it gives an attribute or a title to who He is. And and describing who He is. Because these, these attributes and these titles that are attributed to God in Scripture give us revelation to knowing God. Okay? It gives us insight to know accurately the one true God. And here in this context, the Apostle Paul describes him as the Father of mercies, as the God of all comfort. And oh, how sweet it is to know Him when you're going through the most difficult times in life. I want you to think for a moment when you've experienced thirst at the highest degree. Maybe you were playing sports all day. Maybe as a kid you were out riding your bike all day in summertime. And you came home and you're like so thirsty you're going to die unless you get a glass of lemonade. Right? Or maybe you've just been working hard and you just forgot about getting a drink. You didn't have any water around. And just think, in that moment, you get that nice cold glass of ice water. In that moment, at the height or the depth of your thirst, you just take it in. And in that moment, you think, gosh, this is so good. Thank you, Lord. And most of the other time, you don't really think about water. You can take it or leave it. Many of us don't drink enough water throughout the day. We've got plenty of water. Plenty of clean water around. We take it for granted. But in those moments of thirst, it becomes, all of a sudden, it becomes so refreshing and so valuable. In that moment, we'll pay, you know, when we're in places where we don't have access to water, we'll pay five, ten bucks for, for, or more for a cold bottle of water. That's, that's a clever business uh, plan there, right? For those who are out there, ball games and stuff, sporting events. Bottled waters for seven bucks. You know, when you go get water for free at Starbucks, triple filtered water, venting, ice water. That's how we roll. You get a coffee too for two bucks. No. Um, so, so in that moment, that water is sweet. It, it, it's, it's refreshing, it's valued. And when we are at our lowest in life, when life has knocked us around, it's painful. You get the diagnosis from the doctor that it is cancer. All of a sudden, the comfort of God and the reality that God is described as a God of all comfort, comfort, Father of all mercies, all of a sudden, this becomes so precious to us. This is our God. He walks with us through these valleys. He's a good shepherd. And this is important for all of us to grasp. Because sooner or later, we're going to go through difficult times in life. The older we get, the more we're going to see tragedy. The more we're going to see people we love get sick and and, and die. and, And just terrible things that just happen in life. But we are not those who go through life without comfort and without hope. We walk with God. He's with us through the fire and the flood as we sang this morning. He's sovereign over us. And there's beauty. There's beauty in that moment when we're at our lowest and and we just don't have strength to carry on. God just meets us with comfort in some way. J.I. Packer in his book, Knowing God, says that we are cruel to ourselves if we try to live in this world without knowing about the God whose world it is and who runs it. The world becomes strange, mad, a painful place, and life in it is disappointing and unpleasant business for those who do not know about God. Disregard the study of God and you sentence yourself to stumble and blunder through life blindfolded as it were, with no sense of direction 
and no understanding of what surrounds you. This way you can waste your life and lose your soul. So it's, it's even more painful and difficult to, to go through life without God. Even when you're walking with God, like the Apostle Paul, or like Job who was a righteous man, or like Jesus who never sinned, and many other godly people throughout history, even when you're walking with God and you're doing the right thing, life just gets hard and pain and suffering and affliction comes our way. And God knows this. He knows how to carry us through it. But woe to him who walks through the darkest valleys without the shepherd. Woe woe to him or her who walks through the darkest valleys, the despairing, most despairing dark moments of life without godly community around them to encourage them and to comfort them. Woe to the one who falls and that there's no one around to pick them up. And so not knowing God as we go through these difficult times leads to more pain and more despair and more brokenness. And we can let it push us into God. We can let the pressure that we're feeling financially, health-wise, relationally, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, we can let the pressure push us in to seek God with all our heart, to hunger and thirst like the psalmist did in Psalm 42. He said, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for you. See, that should be our response when when life is dry and difficult and dark. Our roots should go deeper. We should pursue God all the more earnestly because He's the source of life. He's the source of mercy, of comfort, of blessing, grace and peace. The Apostle Paul starts his letters with grace and peace. From who? God, our Father. Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the fount of every blessing. Okay? And we have access to Him. We have relationship with Him. We have everything we need in Him to live and do what He's called us to do in this life, to go through the most difficult times. But we must expect that difficult times will come. As Peter said, don't count it a strange thing. This fiery trial that's trying you. Don't go into life naive thinking, well, it's just going to be all smooth paths, right? A man plans his way, but God directs his step. And and there's a lot of bumpy aspects in life. And so knowing God leads to praise of God and trust in Him. The Apostle Paul models that for us here at the very beginning of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. He starts out with blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? The Greek word, I'm not going to try to uh, pronounce it, lest I butcher it. Um, It sounds similar to the word, it's, it's, it's our English word we get, Eulogy is the is it's this eulogy is derived from this word, which means to speak well of, right? To to speak a blessing. And this Greek word is used eight times in the New Testament. It means worthy of praise or blessing, blessed, blessed, praised. <clears throat> and this is what Paul's doing. This, he's praising, he knows God as the God of all comfort, the Father of mercies. God has walked with him through some really hard times. We don't know exactly what happened between his visit with the Corinthians and, and the first letter and the second letter. And, and scholars think that this is probably the fourth letter that he wrote them. But he obviously went through some really difficult times. Now, we're told in Acts chapter 19, so after he started the Corinthian church in Acts chapter 18, we're told about some turmoil that took place in Ephesus in Acts chapter 19. Like, he began to shake up the city a little bit. The economy began to be affected by his gospel ministry because uh, the silversmith, those who make these idols and worship these idols, uh, you know, that there, there was a threat there to the worship of these false gods, these idols. And so there's an uproar in the city, and there was some tension going on. So we don't know exactly. There's speculation. Scholars speculate about what specifically Paul had experienced, but we, we, we see a bruised and a battered Paul writing to the Corinthian church, being very vulnerable with them, sharing his heart, sharing his struggle. 
Letting them know. But in the midst of that, he's saying, blessed be God. Praise to God. Now, it's easier to praise God when everything's going smooth for you, right? It's so much easier to thank him for his goodness, right? When all the goodness is just evident and abounding. But when you have a hard time seeing the goodness of God in your life in the moment, it can be much more difficult to do what Job did in that moment and say, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. I want to respond like that. And I think I think it takes for us to have a genuine, authentic relationship with God to respond like that. But even those who really know God intimately and accurately, they're still going to have some moments with God where they pour out their complaints and say some things that, like, God, I don't understand this. This does not make sense. And and the Psalms give us language to be able to talk to God like that. It gives us gives us act it gives us liberty to pour out our complaint to God in an, in a respectful way. A number of psalms. I love the psalms and this is a point of application we'll get to at the end. When you're going through difficult times, the psalms will be a lifeline for you if you immerse yourself in them. Because they hit on all all ranges of our human emotion and experience in difficult times and the psalmist oftentimes is describing his enemies is describing his challenges and then he shifts the perspective onto God who's holy onto God who rules unto, unto God who is just and who on God who will repay those who are doing evil and so on and there's these beautiful prayers that have come forth poetry songs that have come forth in suffering, that are so sweet to those who are in suffering. So we see Paul blessing God, focus, putting the spotlight on God in the midst of his suffering. And knowing God leads, leads us to do that. Also, Paul wants us to know the promises of God. He spends a little more time on this in the second half of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. But here he makes this statement, and this flows from God's character. This is who God is, the God of all comfort, and flowing from who He is. This is what He does, and this is what He promises to do for His people. He promises comfort in our affliction. You can count on it. Comfort. In our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. When you're going through the most difficult times in life, the Psalms are going to be a lifeline for you, but so are the promises of God that that the Scripture are filled with. Truths about God, that where God says, I will do this. You can count on me doing this. You can count on this. Woe to the brother or sister who doesn't know any of those promises and you're going through it. We need to be reminded of them. And let me just remind us of a couple of them. One of the promises that God gives us is promises of peace. I'm just going to go through some of them. I don't have time. This really should be for next week when when we talk about the promises of God. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give you. Let your hearts... Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. He promises peace. The Prince of Peace, the God of Peace, promises peace for us as we're going through turmoil, storms, trials, afflictions, difficulties. Philippians 2, Paul says, pray, don't be anxious, but pray. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Peace. John 16, I've said these things to you that in, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. By the way, tribulation, persecution is also promised in Scripture. Those aren't the ones we put on our, our, our refrigerator. You know, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. 2 Timothy 3.12, Right? That doesn't really warm our heart as much. 
But that's helpful to be reminded of when you're going through it. Like, okay, yeah, God, you did say, you did say there's going to be tribulation. You did say there's going to be persecution. Like, this is a part of the road. This isn't a different road that I detoured off of. This is a part of the road, the narrow and the difficult way that leads to life following Jesus. There's promises of His presence. His Spirit. His Spirit being given to us and His presence being with us. He says, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Even as things get darker and more difficult and deception increases, I'm with you. I'm with you. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Promises of strength. Isaiah 40. By the way, Wednesday night, ladies, the ladies are in Isaiah, that latter part of Isaiah. Okay? This is a great time to show up for the women's Bible study because Isaiah 40 through 66 is loaded with comfort and encouragement about God's sovereignty about promises of strength just like this right here. So show up for that and get encouraged on Wednesday nights. Okay, they recently went over this, I believe. Uh, But they that wait on the Lord, wait for the Lord, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. How about... We'll say in 2 Corinthians here. We could have just did that and just kind of went through 2 Corinthians and some of the favorites that are listed in 2 Corinthians. There's some go-tos in 2 Corinthians for me when I'm in ministry moments or when I need to be reminded of hopeful encouragement that we have through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is one of them. This is one that my wife has put on in our kids' room as, as she was going through the difficult times of motherhood early on when our kids were little. And my wife felt weak and my wife had her struggles. This was a lifeline for her. The words of Jesus to the Apostle Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Promises of eternal life. This is not all that there is for us. There's life after death here. Okay? Beyond this life. There's life beyond this life experience. There's a world to come with no disease, no decay, no suffering, no war, no pain, no COVID, no cancer. There's a world to come that we're looking forward to. A renewed, redeemed world. And we will have resurrected bodies. And Paul talks about the resurrection in 2 Corinthians. Knowing, 2 Corinthians 4, 14. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us up also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. Now take note that Paul looks at his afflictions through the lens of the gospel. And we must do the same. As we try to make sense of what is going on with my life when it doesn't make sense and there's pain and there's suffering and and, and we're surprised that, God, this was your plan. This is the path. Why is this happening? We need to to be reminded of three things, at least a number of things. But one is that God created this world good. He's good. From the beginning, good. Very good. But something happened. There was a problem. Genesis 3, corruption, sin, rebellion. Mankind knows better. We got a better idea. Listening to the serpent. And so sin has brought destruction in this world. Now now know also that, that God hasn't left the world like this. We think of creation, corruption. We think of the cross. God has stepped into the pain. He stepped into the mess. Christ took on flesh. He came into this broken world and experienced the pain and the suffering, was tempted with sin and yet never sinned. And so God did something about all this brokenness. And then the second coming of Jesus, which we live in between the the coming of the cross and and the second coming of Jesus, God is going to do something. In the end, it's not going to be like it is. 
And so we live in that hope and we live in that tension of the already, not yet. The kingdom has come. Salvation, redemption has come. But we're still looking for more of the kingdom of God to come. For the glory of the Lord to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And we pray, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as as it is in heaven. God, bring justice. Bring righteousness. Bring peace. Bring joy in the Holy Spirit. Change out my batteries here. I got it, Steve. Thank you. I'm going to use these. Actually, life is full of distractions, inconveniences, Mm -hmm. challenges. Be ready for it. Make sure you're charged up and you're connected. Connected to the vine. And so we we live with this promise of eternal life and resurrection. And so we can have confidence in the face of death in this world. We don't have to let fear seize us and paralyze us. Fear of death. Fear of evil people with evil intentions that want to harm us. Paul was surrounded by that. Like everywhere he went, every city he went, there were tribulations and trials. There were tough times awaiting, and he knew it. But he kept on trucking with God's plan. As he said in, in, second, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, a, a, an open door, an effective open door, a door has been opened for me, a great door, an evangelistic door. And he says, and there are many adversaries, Right? There's, there's lots of opposition that even with when God opens doors, there's challenges, there's opposition. We, we live with, with the confidence of God's promise and answer prayer. He hears us, He answers prayer. Promises of help to give us help in temptation, to give us grace and to give us mercy. And the list goes on and on. And so if you're going through it or you want to encourage somebody else who's going through it, camp out on the promises of God and remind them this is what God has said. That could be a comfort to a brother or sister going through a difficult time. Into your own soul. So, what is this comfort that we're talking about? I saw um, recently my wife and I were on a date, and uh, there was a young lady who had a tattoo that said, Seek discomfort. And I was planning to preach on this, and I was like, Should I bring that up? You know, I don't know if, like, tell me what that means. What do you mean by that? And so we just kind of had the conversation. You know, she's she's a believer, and it's more about, like, not living in your comfort zone. So, anyways, that's. Yeah, I'm not dissing on her tattoo. I think it's cool. But here what Paul's talking about, the, 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 the Greek word is perikaleo. Okay? It's a word that's used 109 times within the New Testament. Okay, 109 times in the New Testament. And what it means is a call, uh, to call for, to invite, to come, to send um, to call upon, to exhort, admonish, persuade, or beseech, or entreat, or implore, to animate, to encourage, to comfort, to console, uh, cheered, or comforted. These are different ways that this word can be translated, and it's a loaded word. It's, there's, there's, it's rich. There's a lot there. And so in our English language, we grapple with ways to translate, and translators do at least, uh, and ways to describe these biblical truths that are presented to us. And so one, one uh, scholar here that I, I found helpful on this uh, particular word was N.T. Wright. And he says that the whole idea of the word is that one person is being with another, speaking words which change their mood and situation, giving them courage, new hope, new direction, new insights, which will alter the way they face the next moment, the next day. The rest of their life. And when you put all that together and you put it in a bottle and you shake it up and you pour it out for someone in the middle of deep suffering, the best word we can come up with to describe the effect is probably comfort. Comfort. 
And so let's look at another thing that the Apostle Paul wants us to know as we're going through difficult times as he was. He wants us to know the purpose of comfort and affliction. The purpose. Now, let me just first say, I think we need to be really careful when we're walking with somebody who's going through difficult times to start with this. I don't advise starting with this. Why is God doing this? Or what's happening? Like, like, sometimes it's good to just be slow to speak. Often it's good to be slow to speak. Right? And, And the ministry of presence, just being with somebody as they're going through difficult times, is, is really comforting and helpful, right? Sometimes those who are suffering don't want somebody to just come, especially be like Job's friends, the, the comforters who didn't offer so much comfort because they all had their idea of what was going on with Job, and Job did something wrong, and they were missing it. And so we don't want to be like that. We don't want to be like those, those so-called comforters that Job had around them, and Deepen the wounds of those who are already knocked down, already beat up, already in pain and struggling. We want to be sensitive to the Spirit. We want to understand our own affliction that we've walked through and and how God might want to use that. Now, I must say, too, it's hard to see clearly when you're in the valley. When life is just bunches of tears daily, it's hard to see through those tears Clearly, you just feel pain. You feel like things, you see walls around you. You're in the valley. It's hard, it's hard to see the purpose in those moments. But God brings us to mountaintops. He brings us, He gives us breaths of air. He gives us perspective at different times in our lives. And, 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 and we must remember what God has done. And so one of the things that Paul says here, that is the, the purpose for, for the, 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 the comfort that we experience is so that we might give others that very comfort. Paul Tripp, in his book, um, New Morning Mercies, his devotional, he says God, he describes his experience with affliction and what God did in him. He says God so humbled us. He put us in situations where our weakness, foolishness, and immaturity are exposed. I remember how I struggled with the sovereignty of God in the painful days after my father's death. I had previously prided myself in how well I understood and could communicate this important doctrine. But there I was grappling with God's plan. At street level, my dad's story made no sense to me. I wondered, what in the world was God doing? It all looked chaotic and out of control. It was humbling to admit my struggle. But doing so causes me to be more sensitive to and patient with others who struggle with God's rule in hard moments in their lives. So one of the purposes, one of the things that God does as we go through affliction is God helps us to have compassion, sympathy, empathy for others who are hurting. Sometimes it doesn't make sense to you. Why is, why is this, this person just like having a hard time getting up or working or just functioning? But maybe you've never lost a loved one, or maybe you've never gone through some life-changing event that just paralyzes you and cripples you. And when you do, you realize it's not so easy to just pull yourself up by your bootstraps when you've been beaten to the ground by life circumstances. And in those moments, we need comforters, we need encouragers, we need those who will sensitively, sensitively speak words of life and gently Speak words of life over us. We need their help to see God in our afflictions. And and again, a lot of times that comes afterwards. It's difficult to see in the midst of it. Many times it's hard to see what God's up to. But as one author says, when you can't see God's hand leading you, trust his heart. Trust his heart. And so Paul talks a little bit about this, the purpose of affliction for him in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse, verse 8 and 9. He says, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia, for we were utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Now let that sink in for a moment. Paul, the apostle, 
described himself as in this moment, despairing of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But here's a, here's a purpose statement that he makes. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Paul's saying, I see God doing something in this. He's teaching me to trust Him and not myself, not ourselves. You see, it's easy to trust in our own resources and our own strength when, when things are, are, are going well for us. And when we go through the fire and we go through affliction, there's a purifying that takes place that God wants to take place and He wants us to come close to Him in relationship and trust Him. Trust His character. Trust His plan. Trust that He's good. Trust that He's sovereign. Trust that everything we experience as children of God is filtered through, through Him before it comes our way. I mean, look at the story of Job. Had to be filtered through God before Satan was able to do what he did. And so Paul uses this word <clears throat> affliction that that's you it's the Greek word is, is translated, it's used 45 times in the New Testament. And sometimes it's translated as tribulation or trial, distressing circumstances. Pressure is is one I think that we can connect with. Or or maybe stress. Maybe stress would be a helpful word for us. Stress. Pressure. Okay? Pressure that could be internally. Like remember Jesus said, I, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful as unto death. Pressure in the soul. Or externally, maybe there's health issues, relational issues, financial issues. And, or, and it could be both. Not pressure. You know what that pressure does to us when we feel it, when we're being squeezed? It brings what's out on the inside. We get to see. Sometimes we get to see good things. We praise God. We trust God. We seek God more earnestly. But more often than we like, we see things that are not Christ-like come out of us when we're squeezed. It's like what you see inside of a bug when you squish it. It's gross. It's nasty. I just want it out. I want it away. I want to be, I want to be clean of the, those things impurities and God is committed to our sanctification he's committed to transforming us into the image of Jesus and know that you're not alone in your times of darkness and despair author theologians describe it as the dark night of the soul godly people throughout history have gone through these dark nights of the soul difficult times Folks like Charles Spurgeon who said, I am the subject of depressions of spirit so fearful that I hope none of you ever get to such extreme of wretchedness as to I go. <clears throat> Here's a little piece from Dietrich Bonhoeffer as he was writing in prison <clears throat> in the mid-1900s. When uh, just after um, Nazi Germany, or around the time Nazi Germany was in power and, and lost the war, he said, Should it be ours to drain the cup of grieving, or even the dregs of pain? At thy command, we will not falter, thankfully receiving all that is given by thy loving hand. Poetry. Beautiful poetry has come out of pain. Psalms. Hymns like, Be still my soul, the Lord is on thy side. Bear patiently the cross of grief or pain. Leave to thy God to order and to provide. In every change, he faithful will remain. Be still my soul, thy best, thy heavenly friend. Through thorny ways leads you to a joyful end. Be still my soul, when darkest friends depart, and all is darkened in the veil of tears, then shalt thou better know his love and his heart, who comes to soothe thy sorrow and thy fears. Be still, my soul, thy Jesus can repay. 
From his own fullness, all he takes away. Be still, my soul, the hour is hastening on. When we shall be forever with the Lord, when disappointment, grief, and fear are gone, sorrow forgot, love's purest joys restored. Be still, my soul, when change and tears are past, all safe and blessed, we shall meet at last. And lastly, let me just finish with know the power of prayer and participate in it. Paul talks about this in verse 10 and 11. James says, is is anyone suffering? Let them pray. We should always pray. Paul says pray without ceasing. But when you're going through affliction and trials and suffering, it's time to focus on pouring out your heart to God. Lest that pressure lead you to hurt and squish others around you. Lest you kick your dog or cat or whatever. Or respond harshly to your spouse or your kids. Because you're just feeling crushed inside and you don't know how to get it out. Pour out your burden to God. Pour out your heart to God in prayer. Paul says he delivered us. Listen to this. He delivered us from such deadly apparel and he will deliver us. Notice the confidence in that. Notice the faith on him. We have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer. He's calling the Corinthians to be prayerful. Paul believes in the power of prayer. Prayer changes things. So that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted to us through the prayers of many. Spurgeon says, you or I may take a a hold at any time upon the justice, the mercy, the faithfulness, the wisdom, the long-suffering, the tenderness of God. And we may find every attribute of the Most High to be, as it were, a great battering ram with which we may open the gates of heaven. We pray from the revelation of who God is, from knowing who He is. We base our prayers on on who He is and what He has promised. We find grace. And so God's called us to be conduits of comfort. What does that look like? What does it look like as we walk with one another in community groups, as we walk with one another in church? Here's just seven ways. That we can be conduits of His comfort to others. Conduits of grace. Okay, our, first of all, our example as we're going through difficult times. Our example may be so inspiring to somebody else and we may not even realize it. Right? People have told Rachel most about her, just the strength that she has walked with through losing several children, babies. Right, And she was just telling me recently that she doesn't necessarily feel all that strength, but there's strength that God is giving her to walk through that time. And her example is comforting and encouragement. And she, she's, she's living out this verse 4, what we're talking about right now. She just started a nonprofit ministry to help grieving mothers to walk through those really dark, difficult times when they lose their babies. And she's comforting with the comfort that she has received. She's not letting any of it go wasted. God's not letting any of it go wasted. Any of the pain go wasted. God is using it and will use it to bring healing to others. Have you ever considered perhaps God wants to use your scars that were once wounds that he healed you of? comforted you with, walked with you through, that he wants to use those scars to bring healing to other people as you tell your story about God's faithfulness and goodness that are related to those scars that you have in your life. There's purpose. It's not arbitrary pain and affliction. God is always up to something good in the midst of it. So our example, our prayers help bring comfort. I don't know about you, but there are times when I feel like somebody's praying for me right now. I feel like prayer support. 
And there's times where like I feel like I need prayer support. Pray for me, right? And so our prayers can be comfort. Our words, just gentle, thoughtful, hopeful, honest, loving words from the heart of God, can be comfort, conduits of comfort and grace to others. Acts of service, simple acts of service. Just doing little things sometimes when when you're going through a really difficult time can mean a lot to people. Gifts, little gifts. A meal. Something, I love that we do that here. The ladies are awesome in this. Okay, there's stuff going on. Send a meal to so-and-so. I mean, that just happened this week. The Sway Singers and community group. Send a meal over to the Diaz as they're battling sickness in their home. Like that's that's what we do. Our presence, just walking with one another through the difficult times. Our embrace, a simple hug, hand on the shoulder, just being there. Gary Miller says, if we are to serve Christ, then the comfort of the gospel has to be real and fresh for us. And so let me close. I'm sorry for going late. Seek to know the heart and the character of God through his word and prayer. Seek to know the heart and the character of God. Know him as the God of all comfort. Know him as the Father of mercies. Know him as the Lord gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Know him as the the one, Jesus, who's full of grace and truth. Know his character. Know his heart. Immerse yourselves in the psalms and the promises of God during times of affliction. Pray those psalms. Let those psalms shape your emotions, direct your emotions, and fill you with hope and comfort. And then be on the lookout for those who are going through the valley and seek to comfort and encourage them. You know, typically I'm an energetic person. I have energy and passion. And, and uh, there are times when I just have to tone it down when I'm in the presence of hurting people. I need to, like, tone down my volume. <laughs> Speak loud. I sing loud. I'm preaching. Sorry if I'm coming across overbearing this morning. But I am passionate about this. I care about you. And I care about us being conduits of his comfort to one another and others. Um, but sometimes we've got to tone, tone it down and, and be still. Be still with people. Be gentle. Let your gentleness be known to all men. Philippians 4 says. For the Lord is at hand. Because when you're in pain and affliction you don't want rough doctors and nurses handling you you want the gentle tender skillful doctors and nurses you don't want the brother or sister who's just let's go come on who doesn't know how to recognize what's going on lacks self awareness we want the gentle and lowly savior so let's pray Lord, I know this morning there are a number of trials and pains and difficulties that those present here are walking through. And Lord, you call us to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So Lord, teach us to do that. Give us vision for that. Give us strength to do that. May our prayers increase together as a church and may we enter into labor and intercession for one another. May we see our afflictions and sufferings through the lens of the gospel. And may we grieve with hope and walk through the valley with hope knowing that God, victory is coming. Resurrection is coming. 
May we get closer to your heart, get to know you better, and not let any of our difficulties be wasted. Thank you for your promises, and thank you for who you are. In Christ's name we pray. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious.